Hello and welcome to the Bizarre and Fascinating Details podcast. <laughs> this is Darcy and I recording for you all on a Friday evening. It just happens to be Valentine's Day, so we've got <laughs> some special stuff planned for you guys. Uh, I'm toasting with a nice, big, huge jumbo glass of champagne. Oh, nice. It's one of those glasses where you can literally fit half a bottle of wine. Nice, because I need that right now. Right. <laughs> I've got. I'm not really supposed to be drinking champ, but I'm I'm having some nice white wine. Um, I have some good bourbon that. I'm drinking out of. Let's see if I can read the what mountain. Which which peak? Yeah, which mountain <laughs> am I re- drinking off of tonight? Um, where are you? Oh wait. Oh, there it is. Um, it is Half Dome. I'm drinking off a of Half oh, Dome tonight. Nice. Yep. Very nice. I'm drinking Larceny. Very very mm-hmm. nice. That's what I'm talking about. Right? Let's just get right to the to the nitty gritty. You know, it's it's been <laughs> one of those weeks. I deserve this whiskey. And you all can hear those massive ice cubes she's got going on in there to chill it just to the perfect exactly. temperature. Exactly. I drink my whiskey with ice and end of list. <laughs> yeah. So because this is Valentine's Day, we thought we'd share a special date story with you guys. <laughs> Darcy, why don't you tell us about your yeah, story so, you want to share with the listeners? So I saw this story and I immediately text Sarah and I'm like... OMG, we've got to talk about this. And then I just get a text back. She's like, okay. And I was like, wow, I expected a little <laughs> bit more <laughs> excitement out of this. But that's because she was driving and she was being a responsible driver and not texting while driving or reading while driving. Yeah, I was try- trying not to text while driving. <laughs> yeah. But like sometimes she just sends me the most random stuff <laughs> at the most random. And I do the same thing to her. So it's not like it's one-sided. Oh, yeah. You both do it too. I'll be, she'll be like in the middle of like a really intense class. And I'll be like, Darcy, I need you to tell me what's your opinion. <laughs> and I'm like, she's like, I'm in class right now. I can't talk. Yeah, like I'm in the middle of taking this really hard class. I thought this this is gonna be like I thought you were dying. Instead of being <laughs> instead of being responsible, I'm like, wait, so what do you think? Yeah, no. <laughs> she's like, I can't. Yeah, but talk anyway, right now. literally, I can't talk. Yeah, but so back to your <laughs> wait. <opinion. laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I do that with everyone. It's not just um, I'm the worst person ever. I don't think anybody else has any priorities in life except to talk with <laughs> <for> me, evidently. <laughs> so this. So anyway, so, story. Yeah. So the headline of this that's on CNN.com. The headline is: They met on a dating app. Then he robbed a bank on their first date and forced her to be the getaway driver. Can you imagine? So <laughs> that sounds like an awesome date. It was written by Scotty Andrew. So this says that a Massachusetts woman became an unexpected getaway driver after a man she met on a dating app robbed a bank on their first date. Christopher Castillo, the unnamed woman's would-be Robin Hood, pled guilty this week to armed robbery and three counts of assault and battery on a police officer, all committed on their first date on December 5th, 2016, according to the Bristol County District Attorney's Office. So, it started when she picked up Castillo from his parents' home in Rhode Island and drove him wow, 30 minutes. Wow, sounds like a winner. I was going to say, there's <laughs> like I was going to finish the sentence and be like, let's talk about the many red flags <laughs> that just pop up with right? that one sentence. So she, she picked him up at his parents' home in Rhode Island and drove him 30 minutes east toward North Attleboro, Massachusetts. So he's 35, lives with his parents' home, lives, at, li- lives with his parents. Okay, I'm not feeling great about that, but okay. But also, if you're going on a first date with somebody, never, ever have them pick you up and never go pick them up. Meet at a neutral location and tell everybody where you're going, especially if you met online. Yeah, that one's 
a little bit obvious. But, but you know. she said he drank wine in the passenger seat of her car. But he was Stop not, winning. yeah. Winning, winning, winning. But he did not get charged <laughs> for that. So they'd never met in person before that fateful day in 2016. So why would she think anything was wrong when he told her to pull over as they approached a bank? I guess so, like, they were going to go on this date, and he's like, I got to go run some errands. Can you stop at this bank? Which as is, I'm chugging my wine yeah, in the passenger seat. Which is weird, but I <laughs> guess, FYI, like... I want you to use your car to stop right, and run errands. Right. So... <laughs> He got out of the car and left like, her I have there. To go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. Exactly. Nine one one. He he got out of the car and left her there alone for a few minutes. Then suddenly he came running back, sweating with sunglasses, a hat, and a gun, and one thousand dollars cash in hand. She panicked. I mean, he had a gun. I would too. So yeah. she did as what she was told. So basically, they end up in a car chase, and she ends up pulling over when the police find her car and pull her over. So she obeyed at first, but once she saw flashing, spotted flashing sirens from North Attleboro police cruisers on their tail, she immediately pulled over and walked away from the car. So I guess she like pulls over and gets out and is like, nope, nope, hard no, hard right? pass. She's like, hmm, yeah. hot date with this guy or the next 50 years in jail. Seriously. Hmm, that's a tough decision. <laughs> so he stayed inside the car and ducked from police. This is, she's driving a Nissan Maxima. Oh my God. So I don't know where he thinks he's going. But Police pulled him out of the car, and they violently struggled. He spit on them and told them his gun wasn't loaded, which doesn't make it like better. Like it makes a right? damn bit of difference. So <laughs> after he was subdued and handcuffed, police searched the car and found a forty-four caliber handgun that belonged to Castillo's stepfather and the hat and sunglasses that matched the description of what the robber was wearing. They also found a third. Did say how old this guy was? 35. The... Seriously? Yeah. Like, I could see maybe if he was, like, 18, 19, but 35? 35. Oh, that's so funny. And that's, like, the 12th red flag in the story uh, so far. As I'm literally <laughs> reading this, I just got, like, a news alert from my CNN. Like, I get, like, news at, like alerts on my computer. As I'm reading this story, uh -huh. I just got a news alert about this story from CNN. Nuh-uh. Yeah. So, he uh, was sentenced to five years. And that's it? Yeah. Yeah. For armed robbery? That's it. And assaulting wow. a police officer. So he got five years, and his date was not charged with anything, but it, it says she probably has a healthy skepticism toward online dating. Yeah, you would think at this point. You know, though, if you ever have a story that call into an, uh, like a morning radio show... And like Worst especially ever story. Yeah, oh. especially on Valentine's Day. When they you know, they always get those like, call in and tell us your worst story your worst date ever. Oh my god. She's so everything winning. from there is up. She is winning. Everything from there is up. You can't, like she cannot they can't drop lower than it that. Cannot like everything get from there worse is golden. Than that. Okay, so what's the update? Uh, there is no update. So he was just charged. He was just sentenced. Oh, okay. to, he was not charged. He was just sentenced to five years in prison. And that was the update. That was the okay. update. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That's like this woman, like if that isn't like some sort of sign to you to never use dating apps again, I don't know what is. I mean, right? they're so common, though. Everybody's on them. So like it's hard to not get on them if you want to meet somebody. But this is this. Well, you need to pick something different. Like it's just lunch or something. Yeah. <laughs> the free online dating app is not working. Maybe plenty of fish is not the right one. I, it doesn't say which dating app it was, but 
No. Yeah, I don't know. That's crazy. I know. I, I can't even imagine. Like, I have dropped dates for, like, the most random, just minor reasons. I cannot imagine someone robbing a friggin' yeah. bank Dude, on a date with me. I had, this is a little bit of a tangent, but just in to- a topic of bad dates, I had somebody that wanted to meet, like, down, I think, in the gas lamp or something like that. And he was like, so that way I can take the San Diego trolley, and that way I can drink a whole lot. And I was like, yeah, why don't you go ahead and do that? I'm not going to go do that. <laughs> You're like, well, go ahead and have fun on that. Right. Like, that doesn't sound <laughs> like a great time for me, but you go nuts, no. man. Have fun. Right. And call one of your guy friends to go. Right. It won't be me. Right. Um, so, jumping right into today's case, I know that Darcy has had a very long week, oh, so boy. we're going to try to keep this episode <laughs> at a short length yeah. so that she doesn't have to, like, work too hard for this, but... There was this case that came out this summer about the missing young woman, Heidi Broussard, and it was splashed all over the headlines. It was, I think people believed another one of those cases like the Frazee case with Kelsey Barrett or like the Jennifer Dulos case where the boyfriend did it and we were just going to see another case like that. But I got a lot of the information from this from a couple of different articles. I will put those in the show notes. And then there was an an episode of Dateline NBC about it as well. But I'm going to tell you guys the story of Heidi Broussard tonight and her newborn baby, Margot. Heidi Broussard came from a close-knit circle of friends, and she absolutely loved being a mom. She was 33 years old from Austin, Texas. And Thursday, December 12th, 2019, it was about two weeks after she had baby Margot. So baby Margot was about two weeks old at that point. And it was a typical morning for this mother. She lived with her fiance, Shane Carey, and their two children, baby Margot, of course, and their son, Silas, in an apartment. And Heidi had gotten up early that morning. She helped Shane get off to work. She fed the baby. She helped her son Silas get ready for school. They brushed their teeth. They got their lunch ready. They ate breakfast. And then she dropped Silas off at school at about 8 a.m. Now, hours later, Shane, her fiancé, gets home from work and sees that Heidi's car is in the parking lot of the apartment, but she is nowhere to be found. There is no Heidi and no Margot, and he doesn't necessarily get worried at that point Mm -hmm. because he thought maybe she was out with friends. He's not too worried about the situation because she was a talker and she was very friendly, and a lot of people around the complex knew her. Mm -hmm. She would occasionally get into conversations with people and sort of lose track of time. That's just the sort of person that she was. She was very friendly and outgoing, and people knew her. Well... Then he looks at the clock and notices that Silas needs to be picked up from school. That is their son. And he starts to get worried at that point because Heidi would normally be there and she would never let her son be at school without being ready to pick him up. And so he starts to get worried at that point and starts calling friends. He starts texting and calling around to see if anybody has seen Heidi and no one have seen her and they also were like wow she would never have forgotten her son something has to be wrong right her friends and family immediately start like pounding the pavement in the neighborhood to look for Heidi and one of the first things that they notice immediately is that her car is unlocked and her purse is inside 
That is really strange. She would never have left her purse unlocked in the car like that, first of all. And second of all, they noticed that all of baby Margot's usual things that she would have taken with her are still there, Mm. like the diaper bag, clothes, etc. She would have never left with baby Margot without taking that diaper bag unless someone had taken Mm -hmm. her. Again, initially they think maybe she just lost track of time, maybe she's chatting someone with someone in the complex and she'll get back later, but by 7 p.m., Heidi is not home, and everybody is super worried. Her coworkers and friends start calling around, and her voice, her phone, excuse me, is going straight to voicemail, and there is no response when they're texting her. So they start looking at all the usual locations, the strip mall across from Heidi's apartment, the grocery store, the different places where she would go, and they don't see any sign of Heidi. So at that point, they call her parents, and her parents get freaked out and immediately call the police. Now, her parents are in Louisiana, so they know something is wrong, and they immediately get in their car and start driving to Texas. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, the Austin Police Department launches a missing persons investigation, and everybody starts looking for her. They start pounding the pavement. Everybody starts knocking on doors. Like, they really started, like, a massive effort to try to find Heidi or anybody that had seen her. Now, initially... They're not scared because they think, you know, they know that within, if they find her within a certain amount of time, that maybe it's just an accident. Maybe she fell down somewhere. I mean, I think there's always hope in that first 24 hours because that's like the hope period. But then after 24 hours pass and nobody has seen Heidi or baby Margot, no one has any ideas. The last time anyone had seen her was the previous day at 8 a.m. when she dropped her son off at school. Mm. And they know for a fact that Heidi would never leave Someone had to have taken her. Mm. She was such a happy-go-lucky person, always singing and dancing, always in a great mood. She grew up in Lake Charles, Louisiana. She was the only child of a tight-knit family who was very church-rooted. She went to Bible camp. She went to church every Sunday, and she loved to help others. Now, she initially met her fiancé, Shane, in a casino in Lake Charles 10 years prior. And almost immediately fell in love with him. And then their son Silas was kind of a surprise, but they absolutely loved him. And then Margot was born six years later in late November, 2019. The kids were Heidi's life Mm -hmm. and she was a great mom and she had an incredible bond with these children. So it was extremely traumatic when she is gone and her kid Silas, the one that's still left there has no idea where his mommy is And they knew that someone had to have taken Heidi by force. The longer time goes by, they launch an investigation, they get onto social media. And this is one of the great things I think about cases like this today is that social media can be such a very, very powerful tool in these instances. And people will get on and start these huge grassroots movements like they did in the Mackenzie Luke case. Mm -hmm where they went online and they just like passed the word around to everybody they knew to try to figure out what happened to her. And so I think it just gives a little bit more attention to cases that may not otherwise get media coverage. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And allows for a wider range of people that might help potentially find this person or have seen this person. So it's just yeah. super helpful. That's that's what happened with the uh, Cupcake McKinney case as well. Um, right. Information spread so quickly about that. And yeah. They were able to find out who, yeah, who's allegedly responsible. 
But her Austin friends were, like, super into this. They are, like, doing search parties. They are just pounding the pavement on foot. They're looking in wooded areas, water areas, parks. They're showing her picture. They're knocking on doors. And the police are also canvassing the area at the same time. And they have called in the Texas Rangers and the FBI. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, they've got all the big guns involved in this search. So they're going to find Heidi come hell or high water. Right. Now, they also called in the special child abduction team. And because of the baby Margot being involved. Mm -hmm. But days pass and there is still no sign of Heidi and no new leads. And I don't know if you remember this case coming out in the news at that time at the end of the year. I do, yeah. Last year. But the longer that time passes by, the less chance they have of finding Heidi and the baby alive. So friends and family start to prepare for the worst. But five days after she initially disappeared was the first press conference that they had. And there was really nothing for them to say at that first press conference. There was no information, no leads. The story was national and it was splashed all over the news, but there was no information. They had no suspects. And Heidi's parents are basically pleading for any information whatsoever about their daughter because she seems to just have vanished off the face of the earth. Yeah. But at that point, they still believe she was alive. And so once they do the press conference, some leads start to come in, but it's a very, very slow process. And investigators are chasing down these leads and looking at the people closest to her because... I don't know about you, but as soon as this whole thing happened, it was like, what about the boyfriend or the fiance or the husband? Because, you know, the majority of the time, that person has something to do with the disappearance. Exactly. And in this case, it was no exception. Police police very quickly narrowed in on her boyfriend, Shane, slash fiance. I guess they were engaged. And he kind of comes off really, really strange in his interviews. And... He just, sometimes he sounds emotional, sometimes it sounds forced, sometimes he sounds cold, sometimes, it's, he's just all over mm-hmm. the place. Um, which I don't think is unusual for someone who is missing someone, and it's the mother of their children. I think that it can be an emotional roller coaster. Sure, and, and you know, he's, he's obviously distraught because his fiance is missing, but at the same time he has to turn around and be a father. Right. So trying to, trying I, to balance those emotions is probably very difficult. Yes, and everybody processes trauma and things like this differently. Mm -hmm. Now, if he had been consistently one way, then I think I would be more concerned than if he was all over the place because it's probably like an emotional roller coaster for him, as I said earlier. But there are 50 FBI agents by that time personally working on this case. Like, they're assigned to this. So there's a ton of people just chasing down every single lead that might possibly come. Shane is interviewed. And he cooperates with everything and tells them he'll do whatever he needs to do to help. He gives multiple interviews. But during the course of these interviews, he's like I said, he's all over the place. He's laughing one minute, crying the next. And it's crazy because he literally got slayed by social media. Yeah. They were super brutal, <clears throat> super critical. Everyone was calling him out and saying it had to be him. And they were comparing the case to the Chris Watts thing. Mm-hmm. The Chris Watts case, as you all know, the gentleman in Colorado who murdered his wife and two daughters, his pregnant wife and two daughters, and it was just horrendous media circus, and they were starting to compare this case to that. Yeah, that's the downside of social media, you know. Right? 
However, friends and close family members and the people that knew her best did not suspect Shane. They knew that the relationship had not been perfect, that it had had its ups and downs, and there were rocky times between the two of them. They had split up a couple of times, but they had gotten back together and they seemed very united in recent times over the birth of baby Margot. And they were determined to be good parents Mm -hmm. and make the most out of it. Okay. Fast forward a little bit. December 19th, 2019. This is about one week after Heidi and Margot disappeared. We go into Houston, Texas. There is a raid happening in a house in northwest Harris County. There is a home that has been swarmed by the FBI and the Austin police, and this was all over the news at the time Mm -hmm. as well. Now, I believe that there was a true crime podcast that was sort of live casting this. They do kind of a YouTube thing, and they were talking, and I can't remember, I think it's like J is for Justice or something like that, but they were kind of live broadcasting this and, and talking about this case. And they have kind of a thing where... The listeners tune in and, and share whatever information they have about it. Okay. But somebody had pinged in while they were doing this podcast, live podcast, and talked about this update. Oh. Because the police had raided this home, and it was live on, like, CNN or something like that. But as they're on this line, the hosts of this podcast start asking people to go do stuff. And I don't <gasps> know if you've ever seen one of those podcasts where they have, like, armchair sleuths that, like, assist uh-huh. in, like, helping people try to solve the case. But... As they're doing this live broadcast, they're looking at this address, and they're, the hosts of the show are asking people, hey, do you know what this house is? Somebody look up who owns the no, house. No, do not do this. They do it on air, and they linked this home, and there is a baby registry. That's how they found the owners of the house and how they linked this home. The owner of the house is Megan Humphrey and Christopher Green. These two live there. Megan and Christopher are not dating anymore. He is her ex-boyfriend, but they still live together. Mm. Now, get this. People start asking on this show, who is this person? How, did, how is she possibly connected with this? Because they knew that there was some... Somehow people thought this was connected to the disappearance of Heidi Broussard. Hmm. Even though it was in Houston. Right. And then she disappeared from Austin. But Megan Humphrey... 33, the woman who was in that house is Heidi's best friend. And she had been her friend since they were teenagers. Mm. Now get this. She had told Heidi that she was pregnant at the same time and that their babies were due within days of each other. Do you get where this is going? I do. By all accounts, this is the craziest, super craziest thing, but... Megan had also contacted Heidi. So Megan was in Houston, and she basically came for the birth of Heidi's baby, Mm -hmm. even though she supposedly was due any day then, Mm -hmm. which seems kind of crazy. But she drove for the birth of of Heidi's baby and was with her in the hospital when she had her baby. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then she leaves after that and tells everyone, oh, I've had my baby. I'm so excited. This is the best thing ever. And when Heidi disappeared, Megan was comforting them. She was taking part in the search. She was, like, lending support to people. She was on the text, the group text. Like, everybody, no one suspected anything out of this woman. And everyone initially thought that Heidi was just hiding at Megan's house and that she was still alive and she was okay. And then as they're kind of doing this podcast and live broadcasting, they they, they see news helicopters that are looking at the house from above. And they see a car parked against the back of Megan's house. And they're like, that's so weird. Why would there be a car parked there? Mm-hmm. Then 
Thursday, December 19th, 2019, all eyes are on Houston at this Northwest area home where police believe Heidi Broussard had been taken. Everyone is standing by on pins and needles as the news breaks slowly. And tragically, they find Heidi's body mm. stuffed into a duffel bag in the trunk of that car that was parked up against the house. Oh, wow. And she had been strangled. And next, the police find baby Margot. But baby Margot was alive mm. and unharmed. Thank yeah, goodness. Yeah, really. They bring her out and they take her to the hospital to kind of get her some medical care immediately. Megan is found in the house with Margot and she is taken into custody. She is immediately charged with kidnapping and tampering with a yeah. corpse. So they must have been they must have been investigating this and she must have been in their crosshairs for a right. while. Like I doubt that this would all happen kind of overnight. Right. But most people that saw all this after didn't even recognize her. They were absolutely stunned. This has been Heidi's, one of Heidi's best friends since childhood, essentially. According to the court documents, when they charged Megan, she had told her boyfriend that she had delivered his baby. They had been broken up for several months. But no one actually knew of the hospital where she had delivered this baby. They just kind of took her word for it. And she told them she had delivered December 12th, 2019, near Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. But according to police, her cell phone had pinged off a tower near Austin in Heidi's neighborhood the same day that Heidi disappeared. Yeah. So they have linked her to that location. Additionally, a camera captures Heidi's car. There's another woman that the camera sees as well, carrying baby Margot. The woman in the car looks like Megan, and she is later seen driving away. They look at Megan's computer and she had been doing internet searches and she, strangely enough, had looked up Heidi Broussard's name 162 times. So not only was she probably looking to find, you know, if there had been news articles about this or if anyone was suspecting her, but it seemed to police and friends and family that she was kind of obsessed with Heidi. Megan is now in jail. I guess her real name is Megan Faramuska. Okay. So she had changed her name for some weird reason. I don't know if she was like planning on doing some sort of escape huh. or something. But she has not spoken to the media at this point or entered a guilty plea yet. The lawyers say, though, she's innocent. She hasn't done anything. There's no evidence presented yet. Everybody wants to know just why she did this. And she has been charged with murder at this insane. point now, right? Yeah. Yes, she has. Okay. Um. Wait, has she? No, I don't think she's oh, been charged with murder yet. Really? I think she's just been charged with kidnapping and tampering with the corpse. Really? They're probably still gathering the evidence at yeah. this point, I would imagine. Okay. And they usually, because they only get one bite at that apple, right. they usually are like, they want to be absolutely 100% certain before they file the additional charges on that. And it's not unusual for them to wait a couple months and then file the charges as they did with the Fotis Dulos yeah. case. Where they initially filed the charges of tampering with evidence and a couple of other things and then later filed the murder charges because it takes a long time for them to be able to gather that evidence. In this case, there was a body, so it's probably a little bit easier than the case of Jennifer Dulos where there was no body. And those cases are are much, much harder. They also could just be trying to, like... Apply pressure and interrogations and stuff like that and hoping he'll come. Right. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Get her to confess and make it a much easier deal there. The funeral for Heidi was held three days after Christmas in Lake Charles, Louisiana. And the family is basically just trying to put back together the pieces of their lives. 
They also had a memorial service back in Austin with all of her friends. And interestingly enough, they some of the people that are closest to Heidi believe that there was somebody else involved oh. with this, that it couldn't have been just Megan. Really? But as of today, there's no word that anyone else has been charged or investigated in this case. They, again, as I mentioned earlier, they believe that Megan was at the hospital when Margot was born. And they also did what's called a maternal desire test, mm-hmm. which I guess is a relatively new thing. And they did this test on Megan, and they found that she had clearly scored very, very high in this test. And this is kind of a strange new mental illness and phenomena that they are starting to investigate when there are cases like this where a new mother disappears or is murdered. Hmm. Uh, Obviously, this case has not gone to trial yet. We will keep everyone posted with the new information as it comes in. Baby Margo is now safe at home. And this is just a crazy, crazy case. They just don't have a lot of information at this point. And Megan has been very tight-lipped, as she has probably been advised by her lawyers to be. But it seems like a pretty cut-and-dry case. They find her at Megan's home, in Megan's, like, in the trunk of Megan's car. I mean, come on. I I wonder, you know, because you usually... You kind of hear about this in one of two ways. So either the woman was never pregnant and made it all up entirely, or she w- right. was pregnant and and had a miscarriage or some you know lost the baby in some way, and then that kind of that trauma triggered something. I I kind of wonder which which it is in this case if she ever actually was pregnant, but that seems some like something that would come out in a trial. Like they would certainly subpoena medical records and stuff like that. Right. So I don't think she was ever pregnant in this case. Yeah. Um, what is interesting to me is that, and, and extremely tragic and very sad and scary, is that it seems like these cases are starting to pop up more and more. Yeah. There are many, many cases where women are being kind of scammed online by these women who want a baby. Right. And either can't have a baby or don't want to be pregnant or whatever the case may be. Usually it's that the woman can't get right. pregnant. She's either had her tubes tied or she's, you know infertile or whatever and so she'll go find these women on these websites where they'll either advertise for baby clothing or baby gear Mm -hmm. things like that there's like friend these pregnant women or there's like a bunch of like forums and stuff for like pregnant women or like yes it's just like you know where pregnant women gather and and discuss you know the things that are they're going through in pregnancy and what to expect and all this stuff and people can i mean it's not like there's any validation for who you are when you join one of those so right. you just can hop on, and then sometimes you, you know, and uh, these pe- these predatory people end up in the same place, and it's just a very dangerous and scary, scary thing. Yeah. So then, what ends up happening is these women will befriend the pregnant woman, lure her to an isolated location, and kill her and take the baby or take the baby and leave her for dead, which there have been luckily some cases where women have actually survived this sort of thing and been able to walk away from it. And they captured the person later. There's been a couple cases like that as well. But in this case, tragically, this young mother lost her life. And it is just horrifying to me that somebody who, I mean, that's a lot of planning and a lot of scheming. You've known that person since you were a kid. That's the thing that's so weird about it. When do you think she got? When do you think she got to the point where she was like, "I'm going to take the baby from this woman"? Do you think it was right away? Do you think it she took her until she was thirty? Like when? Yeah, that's the that's the thing that's so weird is that they had a long standing friendship. So it wasn't like somebody she came into her life 
planning to do this awful thing to her. You know, I don't know. I don't know what happened and what happened with Megan, you know, to make her th- flip this switch and, and, and go this route, allegedly. You make that clear. But right. Um, I mean, was she always mentally ill? Did this pop up later? Did she have an, an instance where, I mean, and to me, many of the times that this happens, these women will do this because they think that their husband or boyfriend or whoever yeah. is going to leave them, and this is the only way to save their marriage. Right, and she was no longer in a relationship, so that's, maybe she was trying to get him back, or I, you know, I just, there's it's so early to speculate, I don't know, it's just so, it's so confusing and so sad. Yeah. And I don't think that anybody in this case would have expected that because I think there's still a huge portion of the population that believes that women are not capable of doing something so violent and so evil. Yeah. And just kind of like switching gears. So the the father, the fiance is, has custody of the children now. That right. Whose father? Um, Heidi's fiance, the children's father. Yes, he's, yes. He's, he has custody of the children now because he was not involved was, in any way. He was completely yeah. cleared. He was not involved in this in any way. He has custody of Silas and baby Margo. Mm. And he's just trying to help them survive. And it's just, it's so sad because they talk about how they told Silas that his mother wasn't coming back and they tried to explain it to him. And it just, you could see the, just the look of despair and yeah. heartbreak on this little boy's face to the degree that he understood what was right. going on was just awful. When he learns that his mom is never going to come back, yeah. just horrifying. You imagine what kind of traumatic damage that's going to do to a young child it's yeah i just can't imagine i mean i just hope the best for them and they're the family and they're able to work past this i mean you can't you can't heal from it but you know work past this and 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 be able to get to a place where they can carry on it's just so awful for so many people i mean i think in a way, it's almost easier for baby Margot because she won't probably remember her mom. Right. But Silas yeah. will. Like, he was old enough to be able to comprehend that his mother was never coming back. Right. And, like, that's just heartbreaking. It just breaks your yeah. heart. Yeah. I can't imagine having to have that conversation either. No. Um, so, in any case, we wish them uh, prayers and our thoughts and, and prayers are with them as they continue to deal with this very, very yeah. challenging time. Because this is a pretty recent case, still ongoing, still waiting for updates. This is not, there's no trial set for this particular case yet. And as I mentioned earlier, it does not appear that she has entered a plea at this point. But you better believe that there's going to be some press coverage of this when it actually does come out because these sorts of cases are pretty rare. Mm-hmm. And when they do come out, the media just jumps all over it, like incredibly yeah. um, powerfully into it. Like it turns into a circus. Yeah. So, and they, and I think people really struggle to try to understand why a woman could do this to another woman in this sort of a way. Yeah. So absolutely. We'll keep you guys updated, but we're going to wrap the show up for now. Do you have anything else to add, Dars? I don't. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Right. Happy Valentine's Day. Don't go on a Tinder date with some guy who's going to help, who's going to expect you to rob a bank with him. Maybe not Tinder, but just don't go, don't pick anybody up on your first (laughs) date. Just don't go on any dates. (laughs) Meet at a neutral location. Don't pick anybody up. Yeah. Don't go to their house. Don't pick anybody up. And definitely don't go to their parents' house either. (laughs) And don't run errands for them. (laughs) Right. Just, it's not her fault. Like coffee. Of course. Coffee or something. Neutral location is always safe. 15, 20 minutes, casual location, call it a day, yeah. 
go home, think about it, ruminate on it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Don't rob banks. Okay. So this is the point in the podcast where we say so long, farewell. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And I want to emphasize to you folks, it is so very critical that if you like the show and you think we're doing a good job, or if you hate the show, that you go give us a review, give us your honest feedback, let us know what's up. It helps us progress the show. It helps us get better quality. It helps us do things that we need to do to improve for our listening audience, because that is always our goal, to do better and continue to do better each and every episode. Yep. Right, Darcy? That's right. Uh, social media? We are at the BFD Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram, so you can follow us sweet, there sweet. for updates and all that fun stuff. And shoot us an email at thebfdpodcast at gmail.com if you have something to add or if you want to say, hey, you missed this huge section of this case. We need to let the listeners know that such and such happened. We'd love to hear about it. Uh, in any case, please join us again next week when we talk more about weird, wacky, and wild cases. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe, keep it real, and always live your best life. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.